Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. A foggy day in London town had me low and had me down. How easy is it to misinterpret emails, including when we don't get a response? Psychologist and author Meredith Fuller helps to clear the air. With emails, we've become so used to sending so many messages every day and receiving scores of emails daily. In fact, a friend of mine who's a radio program manager, he said he has 3,000 unopened emails in his, in his inbox. He just doesn't have the time to answer them all or to even look at them, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so easy to misinterpret an email that is sent to us, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, because we haven't got the non-verbal cues and we haven't got the sound and the tone and a lot of um, the contextual data and also people have got different methods of how they use language when they're emailing, so it's very messy. And isn't it funny how we don't even think about these things beforehand? I mean, we've written letters to people in the past, you know, but the amount of letters that we sent was nothing in comparison to the amount of emails that we send, right? And also we spent a lot more time. Yes. Whereas... At the moment, we're so busy that you, you, you're um, zapping out your email responses often immediately and hitting the send just to get through yes. them because there's so many. So we're not we're not really being reflective about how might the other person hear this. We don't stop and read it out loud before we send it, so we don't get the subtlety of what it could convey that may not be our message intended. Exactly, and for me, for example, if I use myself as a case study, I never even thought about the visual cues that, of course, are with us when we talk face-to-face. It didn't even occur to me until the misinterpretation of email problem started to arise, you know? And and it's quite assaulting when you realise that... um, so much of how we hear a message is it's really only a couple of percent of the actual data and so much more is to do with all those nonverbal cues and the tone and the gestures and so forth. So it's much harder, I think, for people to, to decode all the communications now without these face-to-face cues. Yes, and so we've heard before, of course, the dangers in trying to resolve issues over email. It's so... Yes, it is, and particularly because um, you you can't clarify step-by-step, what do you mean by that word? What's your intention behind that word or um, whatever? So it, it can end up escalating into an even worse problem when you're trying to resolve something. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, with people who you try to resolve an issue with in person and you're not able to get a word in because they keep coming back at you and coming back at you before you can get your idea across. Um, Email can be good in that sense that you can actually set out your ideas knowing that you can get your part in. Oh, absolutely. And that's where, again, that reflective process is very useful. When people are prepared to take their time to think about what do I really want to convey... How might I convey that in a way that I get my intention crystal clear? And the other person is required to actually listen. But, of course, you've then got that problem. If if someone who constantly interrupts and doesn't listen, sometimes the way they read an email can be quite cursory. So you've really crafted something very precious um, to them and they might just do a very quick flick of of, um, the paragraphs and still not really understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. Are you able to outline with us some specific things that we do that can cause the problems in the email? Yes, absolutely. So so first of all, I believe um, there's a difference between 
um, you know, emails of data or emails of information versus emails where we have emotional content or feeling content or something much more personalised. So obviously when you're doing something that, that might be providing feedback, seeking feedback or discussing the nature of um, any sort of human contact rather than just, you know, passing on information, it's really important to remember that we can only take in um, three to five bits of data in one hit. So notice that um, you need you need some kind of succinct message. Don't put too many points in because they'll be lost. So you're saying about three to five yeah, points? Yeah, three to five points, any more than that. We'd, we'd just get overwhelmed and flooded. We can't take it in. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in terms of what you want to say, I think uh, when it's important, it's very important for you to actually read back the data, the words, and if you can say it aloud when it's a very sensitive thing, you know, speak it aloud to yourself because just looking at it without hearing it aloud, you're missing a lot of the nuance. Mm. And that's, that's a really good thing before you actually send it. Reread it, read it aloud, and just ask yourself, is there anything here that could be misheard, misinterpreted? Um, that's a good check. That's a good initial check. I've also found it very helpful to wait and then read it again tomorrow morning. Oh, what a good comment. Yep. There's, there's um, something helpful about waiting until you can leave it there again. That's terrific, yeah. What about capitals and all that sort of thing? Do you know what? It's, it's, um, it's one of those things where... I think that, you know, using capitals, you know, I'm supposed to be screaming at people and using all those um, little icons and things like that. I think that's only okay if you've got a very privileged relationship where you both know what it all means and you're both on the same page. But usually what happens is it's just very difficult um, for people. I, I think keep keep the font clear, keep the message clear and please use spaces uh, and paragraphs rather than, um, you know, the, some people write emails and they're just like stream of consciousness, 10,000 words thrown together with no break. It's just so hard. Yes, so breaking them into paragraphs yeah. that are digestible. Yeah, and, and sometimes also knowing the other person well. Are they a person who finds it easier if you're just writing dot points about something? Do they need more um, flowing conversation? Understand the audience because it's the other person that you want to make sure they receive what it is you're sending. And also I think um, one of the problems that we have with emails is we, t- we tend to be a lot more decisive and uh, make statements rather than ask questions. So um, sometimes we might need to soften some of that rather than make those very rigid statements that, that can be a feature of emails and just check. And also, it's perfectly okay to check. Um, please um, let me know if you don't understand this or have I missed anything or this is my understanding of this word. I'm just checking that's the same as yours. You know, Seek, seek to understand, seek, seek to ask rather than... Um, just assume because that's when I think a lot of dangers can occur. Yeah, that's great. And words that soften an email, and that does really soften it, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I think sometimes it's that thing about manners. Sometimes we've forgotten our manners. How long I wonder could this thing last? But the age of miracles had passed. 
for suddenly I saw you there And through foggy London town The sun was shining upside down Helping us to see a bit more clearer, psychologist Meredith Fuller, who is also author of a book called Working With Mean Girls. We'll continue our look at email manners with Meredith later on in the year. For those of us who struggle with self-worth when we misinterpret emails, King David wrote some very famous words that are good to be reminded about. The eternal one is my shepherd. I shall never be in want. For certain, goodness and loving kindness will accompany me all the days of my life. This is Light and Life. To contact us, go to salvos.org.au slash radio.